In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland. It is a special podcast for you. An emergency podcast is what we like to call them when there's breaking news, and the breaking news is Judge Sue L. Robinson, former Judge Sue L. Robinson, uh, decides that six games should be the suspension for Deshaun Watson. No fine. And that I thought that was interesting, too. Uh, and I think that, that that brings me to my next subject here. If the NFL wants to do more or wants to do this without um, uh, suspending him for any more games, I thought a fine would be interesting that she left the door open for that because she didn't talk any about, uh, she didn't talk anything about fiscal matters here. So, Daryl, what do you think the NFL is going to do next? I don't know. You may not be able to come up with an answer, but part of the thought process I had goes back to something Mike Florio said. You know, he had said at one point, look, it, it, he missed 17 games last year. He's going to miss another six this year. You're looking at 23 games where he'll be out total. And he said the restitution should be paid $10 million back so that last year would be for naught, that he would not have made any money. And I thought it would be interesting if the NFL came back in the next 72 hours and said, we will uphold six games. But Deshaun, you're about to see a $10 million fine. Funny you should mention last year. Okay. Because Suelle Robinson does mention last year. Oh, what did she say? I'm interested. Yes. Although Mr. Watson did not play during the 2021 season, the commissioner declined to put him on administrative leave under which any games missed would be credited against any suspension later imposed. So, so the commissioner, that's why he didn't do it. So basically what she said is, well, the NFL and and what happened last year with him and the Texans not playing, that was not discipline. That was basically voluntary. And he, remember, he got paid last year. The Texans right. paid and, him. And that's why I'm saying the $10 million would be the fine. Right. So that he would have to – He would have to. although where does that money go? Like where would that $10 million go anyway? Is that going into somebody's goes, pocket? Or? There, it's, it's in the collective bargaining agreement. I'd have to look that language up. But there is a language about where player fines go and where okay. those funds are directed to. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I find it interesting that the NFLPA and Watson, we talked about this earlier, put that statement out Sunday night that we are we are going to accept whatever Sue Robinson rules, and we urge the NFL to do the same. And then Monday afternoon, the NFL puts out a statement essentially saying, well, we're just – weighing our options right now. And I don't know necessarily that's a great sign. For, do you think that they're waiting to see what the court of public opinion is on this too? I mean, I, think that's, I, I do think that that's part of it. Now, yeah. the court of public opinion in Berea, Ohio, I can tell you is they're falling over each other to get pictures uh, with Deshaun Watson and stuff signed by him. So the court expected, of opinion, don't you agree though? Yeah, that's well, of course, but the court of public opinion in Berea is, well, uh, we see nothing and he's our savior like that. That's basically how those fans out there feel. I've not, uh, at least in, within earshot of me, uh, I have not heard any booze. I have not heard anything derogatory yelled from the stands in Watson's direction. I've heard applause, some of it muted, some of it, you know, the latter. He certainly doesn't get the reception that Nick Chubb or Miles Garrett, you know, get. But it is, at least from my perspective, I view it as a very positive reception. It is, mm -hmm. or maybe varies a little much. It is, it has been a positive 
reception. I've not sensed um, a lot of negativity uh, from the crowd. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that the NFL is weighing here, uh, you know, the, the court of, a pub, uh, of public opinion and whether or not they should appeal. And then, because look, I think if they appeal, this is going to be more than six games. I, I think that they are, just, they're going to set a, you know, they're going to do what Sue L. Robinson said she was not willing to do. And that is set a new precedent regarding an unprecedented situation. Yeah. I just, I don't know what it looks like if the league steps on a former federal judge. I just, that, that to me, will uh, well, we'll find out. I mean, we are going to find out what it looks like and that to be honest, if they go, and I'm not saying that, especially based on her findings that he didn't, that, that that number of games is correct. But what I am saying is if the league disregards what she says, then the entire thing has been a dog and pony show. Well, and there hasn't been a whole lot of reason for it other than the fact that the NFL needs to get its, you know, what together in coming up with uniformed uh, decisions and um, predictable outcomes for said uh, uh, misgivings to the, uh, to the, um, uh, to the whatchamacallit, to the, uh, help me, Daryl, the personal <laughs> conduct, personal conduct policy, personal conduct policy. That's all I I'm was saying. trying to figure out where you were trying to go with no, that. It's, so. it's personal <laughs> conduct policy. I mean, look, right. if the league decides they're going to go a full season on this, then why do they have Sue Robbins? I mean, I, they have Sue because Robinson they're, because, because they're required to do so under yeah, the because they placated, entry. you know, they just, they, they kind of said, okay, NFLPA, we'll bring somebody in. Look, but it doesn't I, matter. It's not like they didn't bring someone in that knows what they're doing. And both sides agreed to this. Right. I, it just, to, to drag this thing that, out even that's more. That's why I say it's not a dog and pony show. Like they, they've gone through the process. And if they d disagree with the uh, final decision, then it is within their right to appeal. And that was collectively bargained. I mean, both sides have the right to appeal this. Watson and the NFLPA have already said they're not going to. They're going to accept her ruling. Right. So, um, I, look, I understand those that say, well, yeah, this was a dog and pony show or, you know, this is the steps. These are the steps in the process. So uh, it's difficult for me to argue against it. I will say that, you know, these are the conclusions of a former federal judge. That's what I'm and, saying. And, That's and, what I'm saying. I, I just, I kind of feel like tremendous weight should be placed upon that. That if she finds that Deshaun Watson violated the conduct policy in three different ways in which the NFL argued that he did. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, she basically ruled in favor of the NFL today. She did rule in favor the, of the, the NFL. The, yeah. the only thing that I guess she didn't rule in favor of the NFL today is in the discipline. And she basically outlines that your disciplinary process is 100% flawed and if you want severe punishments for this type of unprecedented behavior, then y'all need to get together, work it out, and put it in place. Because she was not tasked with um, coming up with un unprecedented discipline. She was tasked with coming up with discipline based on existing policies and procedures. Or this specific case. Hence, the yeah. six games because that's kind of been their baseline is a six game suspension. Yes. Two players. Uh, you know, I'm, I want to find the quote here. Give me a sec. I want to find the paragraph where she outlines that 
just so people understand yeah. what. While you do that, I'll repeat personal conduct about. policy a hundred times over, so I don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. A demonstrative exhibit used during the hearing indicates that since the revisions to the policy from 2015 to date, by far, the most commonly imposed imposed discipline for domestic or gendered violence and sexual acts is a six-game suspension. Only two players have been suspended for eight games, one for multiple incidents of domestic violence and the second for the assault of multiple victims. A single player has been suspended for 10 games for multiple instance, incidents of domestic violence for which the player pled guilty to battery. It is undisputed that Mr. Watson's conduct does not fall into the category of violent conduct that would require the minimum six-game suspension. It likewise is undisputed that prior cases involving nonviolent sexual assault have resulted in discipline far less severe than what the NFL proposes here, with the most severe penalty being a three-game suspension for a player who had been previously warned about his conduct. I am bound by standards of fairness and consistency of treatment among players similarly situated. The NFL argues that consistency is not possible because there are no similarly situated players. By ignoring past decisions because none involve similar conduct, however, the NFL is not just equating violent conduct with nonviolent conduct, but has elevated the importance of the latter without any substantial evidence to support its position. While it may be entirely appropriate to more severely discipline players for nonviolent sexual conduct, I do not believe it is appropriate to do so without notice of the ex extraordinary change this position portends for the NFL and its players. I think I read that paragraph earlier in the podcast. I, I apologize, right. but I just wanted to kind of go back to that section where she, again, she's saying, hey, if you guys want, uh, to include an indefinite suspension with, uh, you know, a minimum of a year, then you guys need to get that in a policy somewhere. You need to get that in writing. Yeah, but that, I got to be honest, Daryl. The, the the NFLPA isn't going to let them make that into a policy, uh, uh, but because right. now you got to collectively bargain that again. So we are we're in. It, am I if I'm wrong? Because I just don't want to get my sports mixed up. But right. aren't we in the middle of a ten year CBA? Didn't they do a super long CBA? Or am I uh, yeah, thinking of the wrong years. Court? So, yeah. here's, an so here's, a, here's an important paragraph or part of a paragraph that she, she uh, wrote. Defining prohibited conduct plays a critical role in the rule of law, enabling people to predict the consequences of their behavior. It is inherently unfair to identify conduct as pro prohibited only after the conduct has been committed, just as it is inherently unjust to change the penalties for such conduct after the fact. As I've noted above, the NFL is a private organization and can operate as it deems fit, but the post hoc determination of what constitutes the prohibited conduct here cannot genuinely satisfy the fairness prong of the standard of review or justify the imposition of the unprecedented sanction requested by the NFL. Hmm. It makes me was definitely uh, yeah. written by a judge. Yeah. It makes me think of, you know, the whole Ray Rice thing. Like when Ray Rice was suspended, they went back and said, man, we didn't give him enough games. This was wrong. This was wrong. This was wrong. But they didn't fix their policies after that. Correct. And that's where, and it seems to me the NFL is right there again, where the NFL needs to fix their policies. But now. And that's what she's telling them to do. Yeah. So I think, I, I do think that it's, uh, 
it's been enlightening for both sides. And we'll find out what happens within 72 hours. I think, Daryl, we should just uh, table the ramifications for what we think this means on the football field for our next podcast. Yeah, because we're not going to know, right? I mean, until, yeah. until this is absolute and final, it, it is tough to talk about uh, the on-field ramifications of this because while, yes, this the six-game suspension has been handed down by her, Sue Robinson, we don't know if the NFL is going to go along with that. They got seven. Uh, they got until I believe it's Thursday morning to appeal the decision to the commissioner's office. And then the commissioner decides if he will hear the appeal or if he will appoint somebody to hear it. And I think the one maybe mistake the NFLPA made in that negotiation of this procedure is the commissioner should not be hearing the appeal. It should have been collectively bargained that somebody else hears the appeal and that once that appeal and then the that's compromise. That's on the NFLPA, though. That's their fault. I know. And I think that the compromise to the appeal to that would be the person hears the appeal and then the final discipline, though, goes to the commissioner if and only if the appeal fails and the original ruling is upheld. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Absolutely. So l- let me just give you a recap of what they should be talking about at Browns camp uh, until this thing's settled. So tell me about Deshaun Watson. I got to tell you, yeah, yeah, that's going on. I can't do it. Cade York looks phenomenal. Oh my God. We've never had a kicker this good. All answers should be Cade York. They should all start with Cade York. There you go. He's not missed yet. 12 for 12. See, there you go, jinxing him by saying he's not missed yet. He's. I got news. Out. If me talking about Cade York makes him miss, then I don't need him as my kicker. You're Mr. No-Hitter guy, too, aren't you? No-Hitter, um, no-Hitter, no-Hitter. No, I don't you. say no-Hitter. I never say no-Hitter. Oh, I'm why is that, Andy? Because I don't want to jinx him. <laughs> Thank you for making my case. <laughs> proving All my right. Case. Thanks for listening to The Office. I meant thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. <laughs> Daryl, let's come back. Let's talk football in the next podcast. How's that sound? You know, I hope so. Um, and, you know, it. I don't enjoy talking about this stuff, um, it, but I, I just I really felt it was necessary to read her words to our audience. And as opposed to just us injecting our opinions um, so that our audience really could understand what she found and why. And let them think for themselves. Right. Oh, my God. And what, uh, wait a minute. That's I, I do believe that's journalism. Stop. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, yeah. And, and, and draw your own conclusions. But um, I, I, I just again, I feel that a former federal judge handing this down and detailing it the way she did that carries a tremendous amount of weight from my point of view. Well, let's see, let's see if the NFL is going to listen. Daryl, it's been a pleasure being with you here on the podcast again today. Uh, Hopefully uh, the next podcast, we will have more pleasant matters uh, to discuss like Cade York going 12 for 12. Can he keep the perfect streak going? Stop jinxing him. That's what you And, and, how do the quarterbacks behind number four look? In ooh, ooh, uh, what's the field going to look like? We haven't even <laughs> talked about that yet. That'll be in the next edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. For our amazing producer, Meredith Kane, 
Thank you very much. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. You've been listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Uh, If you like what you're listening to, why don't you give us a couple stars? But more importantly, why don't you subscribe to the podcast? Thanks for listening to this edition, a special edition, an emergency edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland.